Hi, this is Chris. And this is John. And you're listening to the Nerdy Dadcast. I got some big news, John. What's your big news? I bought myself a belated birthday gift and I look silly using it. Have you actually used it though? Is it one of those things that just sits there and looks cool and you can tell people about it? Well, it it, it could be, but I've actually been using it. Okay, um, good. And I have looked silly using it. Like I was actually using it this evening and, uh, and Baby Force uh, apparently was looking at me quite strangely and had to go tell my wife that, uh, why is daddy throwing his arms around? <laughs> And you didn't put it on her head so she could figure it out because, you know. No. Um, and that's, you know, we can we can talk about that. But for those who are curious what it is, uh, I bought myself an Oculus Quest 2, um, which is not to be confused with the Oculus Quest or the Oculus Rift or the Oculus Go or I don't know how many versions of Oculuses there have been. Um, so but I today- decided to buy one. So today we're going to talk about VR and we'll have the nerdy side of the Nerdy Dad cast today. Well, yeah, and I thought we could sort of, you know, work our, our childhood and then what really what our kids will experience uh, with this sort of technology as it expands uh, moving into it. But, uh, you know, telling the story about that immersive sort of gaming experience, like, you know, we've talked in previous episodes, I think my first console was a Nintendo Entertainment System. Really wasn't all that experiential. Yeah, it's kind of cool that you could, you know, shoot a light gun at the screen and somehow those ducks got hit by it. I, I still don't understand the technology. I, I think it was based on when you pulled, like, the trigger on the gun, it read, like, the pixels coming out of your TV, not the other way around. Yeah, something like that. It's not, not really pixels because pixels weren't a thing back then. But uh, but yeah, it's some of the else the old school TVs and the light coming off them. And yeah, it, but at the same time, that was a very experiential thing. And you know, mm. it blew my mind being able to shoot my TV back in the eighties. Yeah, and then you know, Nintendo started to evolve. They introduced the the Power Glove. Did you ever use the Power Glove? A little bit, but the power was one of those things where it had a controller on the side of it. It had like a little mm-hmm. D-pad on the side of the button. So really all we did was hold the power glove and use those that controller on it. So it wasn't you put it on your hand because it didn't really work that well to put it on your hand. But if yeah. you held it on and you pushed the buttons on it, then that was good. Um, I think we might rewind a little bit though if you're going to start at the beginning. You oh. know, you got, you got to go back to those Atari days. You got to go back to that where you, the lines on the screen. I think we've talked about this before where, you know, I used to go when I was little and go to the video store and rent them because we couldn't mm-hmm. afford an Atari. So, yeah, I mean, that whole experience where you had boxes and things like, you know, my still to this day, my. The scariest game I still remember from my childhood was an adventure where you're that tiny little box. And it's a revolutionary game. You have the dragons come onto the screen and the dragons still to this day freak me out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, you know, go back there. But I guess we can fast forward again once we've mentioned that back into Nintendo and on from there. Yeah. Well, I was sort of thinking like, you know, from a gaming perspective, it was sort of the controller in your hands and what was happening on the screen. But then we think about like, I know of Nintendo because I was, you know, the Nintendo fanboy growing up. You had the power glove. You had uh, Rob the little robot, um, which I still don't quite understand what he could do. So basically what that was, was you put a controller into the slot 
in front of Rob, and then he had two really big buttons and his that pushed on the controller. And his mm. whole thing was you had these spinning discs, and he would pick up the spinning disc, and then because it had a little battery operated machine that spun the disc, he would mm-hmm. go you'd you'd get him to clamp on the disc, pull it up, and then bring it over to one of the buttons and drop it onto the button. And then mm. it was still spinning because it was a top basically, and so it would push the button down for you. Now in actual action, this was never a thing. I mean. I think I might have done it two or three times, but really, again, that's another one of those things where there it is. Push the button yourself. You got hands. Yeah. The um. Okay, so that okay that makes better sense. And then you know, sort of as the systems were to evolve, we started seeing like dance pads and whatnot. In but like functionally, the experience that we were having was still a very static one on a screen. Um, it required our sort of manual input to be involved. Um, we saw. <laughs> I think I can try to make which console it was, was handheld, but you could like buy like glasses to see things sort of in 3D. And then eventually like Nintendo had the 3DS. Well, no, you got to talk about that one though. So you obviously never played the Virtual Boy. No, I never did play the Virtual Boy, no. I I don't think I did either. Um, It it seemed like it blew my mind at the time, but then from all the reports, I mean, so for those that don't know, the Virtual Boy was sort of Nintendo's first try at a virtual mm-hmm. VR system. Um, it was only in red. So everything on your, in front of you, in front of your eyes was all red. And apparently that made people sick. Not the VR <laughs> doesn't make people sick, at least early VR, but uh, yeah. the red stuff really made people sick. So I, apparently there's some good games for it. I've never played it. And I, you know, it's one of those collector ads you might see in a, in a video game museum or something these days, or for, you know, two or $3,000 on eBay, whatever works for you. So, I mean, that was sort of the first big one though. The, uh, yeah, no, I never played it. Although now that you're talking about it, I think I do remember it like vaguely. Um, it failed. Like something passing. It failed spectacularly. So that was sort of Nintendo's big fail. Yeah. But if I, if I think about like the actual immersive experience, it was often something that took place in like an arcade. Like I remember going to Laser Illusions arcade here in Richmond. Um, it was sort of the first modern arcade. Like there were other arcades like Kobe's billiards where you went in there and it was a place. Um, and I mean, <laughs> the best way to describe it, think of a billiards hall where everyone's smoking and they put video games in there for some reason. And that's where the kids hung out. Like it was a weird, weird concept, but laser illusions was like the full on. We are a, an arcade. And that's just like, just, it's this vignette of a different time. You know, the time we grew up in was a different time. Oh, gosh. And, yeah. I mean, I grew up in, in the bad streets of Surrey, and back in those days, we had Honey Bee and the Delta Game Room, and those were both of our local arcades. And Honey Bee, that was the one that was, you know, Delta Game Room was a little bit classier. I don't know they let you smoke on the machines. The machines <laughs> didn't have built-in ashtrays as they did back then. You didn't generally see the machine where somebody had melted their cigarette into it and that sort of yeah. thing. But, you know, yeah, that was the thing. I remember being 10 or 11 years old and going into Honey Bee on Scott Road in Surrey and just, like, the aura of smoke that hits you as you come out the door. But that was normal because it was the 80s, and that wasn't a thing that we yeah. normally thought about. And then being in there, being in there as a 10-year-old, that's kind of uh, – it was kind of crazy when you look at it now. And, I mean, my son is nine. I wouldn't I wouldn't let him in there. Oh, there ain't, like if, if Kobe's Kobe Billy, Kobe's billiards was still around, ain't no way Baby Force is going there until she's like twenty eight. No, that's like place, it, 
for us, it was like that was a place. If, not that I knew what drugs were at the time, but that was where I would have got them had I known what drugs were. Yeah. And, you know, it was funny. I remember actually after a Boy Scout meeting, because I was a Boy Scout once upon a time, my friend's dad, who was also in the troop, my friend's dad took the two of us to Honeybee. So we walked in in our Boy Scout outfits. And yeah, I didn't. We got looked down by the, the rockers mm-hmm. and, the, and whatever else was the things back then. I only really remember the rockers. Yeah, they, they, but you could, I, I know where I was going with this is like, that's where we started seeing the, like you paid a, an actual dollar to play some of these games or even more as sort of technology evolved. Uh, Kobe's billiards did not have these. You were, the quarter games was the max. And that's because you didn't want to put too much money into something that people were using to put their cigarettes out on. <laughs> Do you, did you ever play the first like hologram games or it was sort of like a, it was this funny like white cabinet that kind of had a dome over it to help the hologram somehow. Mm-hmm. And it was like a cowboy thing. And I remember it was a cowboy and you, but it was like the ultimate quarter eater. You're probably right. There was probably a dollar by that time. But it was the ultimate dollar eater. You could put a dollar in yeah. that thing and you think, oh, that's freaking cool. Because mm-hmm. this little hologram walks across the table like, say, Star Wars chess or something. But um, it instead, you know, you go to shoot and you hit the button and no, that's it. Your game's over another dollar. And you yeah. try again. It's another dollar. It's like, yeah. Well, and that's actually the game like that I was going to mention. It was like this. Essentially, it was like the light gun sort of experience, except instead of reading the light, you were now actually aiming the light at a space. And like the material that you were engaging with was which registering the quote unquote shot. Um, but you couldn't like you couldn't draw right away. You had to like draw at the right moment. And you, you know, there, it, it sort of it was it was immersive. Um, we also had the experiences where like you had the the games where you would sit inside of like the, like almost a box and much bigger screen. And obviously the sound was what tried to make it immersive, but it also moved around. Like I remember at laser illusions, there was this like space style game that was essentially like a carnival ride. Like you paid at least it must've been, it might've even been like five bucks. Like it was like, I had to go and buy like a token or something to play it. But I remember you'd you'd get in, you'd climb in, you'd put the headphones on. I think if I recall, there's goggles, like all the very sanitary things that absolutely <laughs> were maintained and cleaned after every use you would be putting on and and you'd get in and then when you would you would um you'd fly and it would move like it would move around. It would it, it would you know generate sort of this this experience. And I wanna say it it also introduced sort of the 3D concept very loosely. Although I don't think it was truly 3D, it was like essentially using mirrors to give the the sensation of of distance. But really, what you were probably doing is focusing and refocusing your eyes on things so you could see them, and it, hence why it's not 3D. Um, and I I was just amazed. I'm like, wow, this is it. This is the future. 3D has always been the future, right? I mean, for as long as when our parents were kids, 3D was the future. So, you know, now we're very much into 3D and 3D is a thing that's very easy to to do. I mean, we've seen, as you mentioned, the Nintendo 3DS where you don't even need glasses anymore. And that's old technology at this point. Mm -hmm. Well, you could even adjust. Do I want to play in 3D or not? I just move the little analog lever, you know, left to right or up and down. I can't remember. I have my 3DS somewhere around here um, to change it. The other experience that I kind of just you talking made me remember was those, you know, those, do you remember they had like these things they brought into malls and near arcades where 
it was like a little van basically on a hydraulic lift. It was sort of like, mm-hmm. it was a pod and they played a yep. movie on it, a roller coaster movie or something. And they moved the thing with you while you were in it. And that was sort of, you know, that was another precursor to VR in a sense, because that was another experience where you were watching the screen and they were moving you. And it felt to an extent and it tricked your brain enough sometimes, especially as we were those dumb kids that uh, yep. we could feel going down the roller coaster. So yeah, that's a whole. Yeah, it looked, it, you're right. It, it, it almost looked like a spaceship onto its own. It was like a, yeah, a little box pointed nose or whatever. Um, the really classy ones were the ones that had actually like multiple screens. So you had the screen on the front and then it would have like just screens on the side that had like a loop of like stars or something um, to sort of, again, it, it's, it's essentially trick you into thinking there's movement. Um, they'd have fans if I recall, so that that would generate that, that feeling of something going past and therefore again, tricking brains and the, into thinking it's, it's motion. Um, those were expensive. That was, that was a full carnival ride experience. Yeah. I recall. Yeah. The, the thing about all of this though, is that it reached this point where suddenly I feel like it's not that technology stopped moving forward. It's just that there was this lack of, you know, maybe standardization or streamlining of the technology to make it accessible in the home. And as you started to see more and more consoles become more and more affordable, more and more choice, and the technology sort of starting to step up there, I think that's where the focus went. And then it became, you know, loosely uh, accessible to those that could really afford it. Um, And I remember VR sort of being introduced, I want to say it would have been in the 2000s, but really all it was, was like a set of binoculars that you would use and you would put essentially your phone or some form of device in front, but there was no interactivity. You were essentially watching something. Like it would be kind of cool. You could be like, you know, flying on a plane somewhere, holding these binoculars up to your eyes, you know, and, and that was it. Like it, it you know, and I, I can't say I, I ever really explored VR beyond that. Yeah, I have two things that come up to my mind, in my mind about that. One, probably you're right, probably late 2000s, probably just around 2009, 2010, somewhere in that era. Um, we were at a friend's party back when parties were still a thing for people that, you know, have brain cells. But anyways, um, and somebody had Google Glass. So they mm-hmm. had like one of the very early, early Google. I bet you I know this person that may have had them. It's entirely possible, but um, so yeah, he he passed it around. And we all tried Google Glass, and we all saw sort of that augmented reality display, as they say. Yeah, and then yeah, I didn't actually hit VR again until I think a friend of mine had a one of the original PlayStation PlayStation VRs, and so I went yeah. over to his house and tried that for the first time, and it's sort of you know that was the first time I thought, oh. Oh, I like this. Oh, I need mm-hmm. one of these. Yeah, I never actually tried VR on the, or at least the PlayStation interaction of VR. The closest I would have gotten to it is the AR experience. So not not Google Glass. I never had the the opportunity to check out the was it invite only, pay crazy amount of money to wear glasses that looked weird that show you your email in front of your eyes because that's what we all want these days. <laughs> well, okay, I you know from a perspective of technology you think about sort of pop culture that's what technology was to do is to make things accessible like how many futuristic movies 
did we get introduced to where someone's wearing glasses and like a little thing comes up? Like minority report is sort of in my mind, the epitome of what Google Glass was where you can like see things. And what Google was trying to do was get to the point where you could use your hands to manipulate that AR image based on, you know, the variety of sensors and the camera um, outside of the fact that, you know, battery power was negligible and it's not that they've stopped trying so there's still stuff this stuff's still going to come out at some point mm -hmm. but uh yeah that was a very early one as for the vr itself i mean i found i played the batman arkham asylum and sort of that was sort of the main thing for playstation vr when you mm -hmm. get into that and you put the helmet on and then you reach and you're in the vr world and you reach and you put batman's cowl on your face and that's sort of the way it starts is you put you put the bat suit on yourself so when yeah. you go and you put the back Batman's cowl on your face. And I was like, yeah, that, I, I'm in, I, I need this. <laughs> the, um, again, I didn't have that opportunity that you had to try it out, but I had seen an, a few people. One of my friends had a, uh, a, I want to say, was it a rift? Might've been a, a V. I can't remember, but it was like full on, you know, 600 wires connected to his high power computer to make the magic work. And, what the way he described it was that it was next level, like the realistic nature of what he was experiencing was something. But then I would see sort of video of it. Obviously, I'm not experiencing it, but I'd see sort of recorded content. I'd be like, it, it kind of feels like Star Fox. I mean, Star Fox was kind of the like, I think back to that Super Nintendo experience. And that was sort of the first sort of like, this is kind of cool. And then suddenly, you know, when VR rolls around, we finally reach that point where you can have Star Fox right in your brain as opposed to on the screen. Yeah, which reminds me of kind of a funny story that this uh, friend of mine had happened to him. Um, I don't know if he was drinking or not. I can't really say on that. But he was playing VR at nights, and he, he fell asleep while he had the headset on. Hmm. And so he woke up the next morning and he couldn't figure out why he was in a field with birds flying over him. It was very bright. And he and it took him a solid like 10 or 12 seconds to figure out that he still had his VR headset on and that he'd fallen asleep. So mm -hmm. I, that's something I could totally see myself happening with at some point. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah and, I, you know, that that is a risk that one runs when they are able to go in, especially now in the modern era, where the headsets themselves are sufficiently powerful to run without being tethered to something. Mm. Um, and, you know, we think about sort of where VR went. Like I never actually got VR for, for my PlayStation 4. I, it wasn't something that had really intrigued me. And the part that always sort of dissuaded me at the end of the day um, was the tethering yourself to something. Like if I had to go and plug a wire in, in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to trip over. I'm going to find a way to like not only destroy myself, but the headset that's on my face while ripping a high priced console, that's going to pull down my entire, like, you know, like I, I'd awfulize it to such an extent. Yeah. For me, it was just, I was too far along in the cycle. When I actually tried that, I, I tried it. I was like, Oh, this is awesome. I want one. But mm -hmm. pretty much the next day it was like rumors of PlayStation five are coming rumors of PlayStation five. I was like, okay, mm -hmm. well, you know, if there's a PlayStation five then there's going to be a PlayStation VR two or something. So yeah. I will wait. And so that's where I've been at it. Yeah. I, so, you know, fast forward quite a bit. I have this Oculus Quest 2, and the day I buy it was the day that word comes out that PlayStation is going to be 
updating its uh, VR experience for the the PlayStation 5. Though I haven't actually looked into it because, again, I have this Oculus Quest now, so I don't need more than one. It's still tethered, is it not? Like it's going to require... There's no information really so far. They just said that it's coming next year Mm. sometime. You'll hear about it. And yeah, so there's nothing... Okay. Like I, I can't imagine they would be selling a standalone headset. Cause like it would, from a perspective of PlayStation, if it's standalone without the use of a console, you're essentially, it's a new console. Like, yeah. Which wouldn't make sense. No. So it's going to be connected to the system somehow for sure. Yeah. And I don't know, like, I, I don't know the technology well enough, but I can't imagine Bluetooth would have the throughput that would be necessary to benefit from the processing power. So I'm thinking tethered is probably the route, but again, I'm speculating. It's kind of okay though, because I don't really need to like leave the house with this on or anything. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, if it's just in my living room, that's all right. I don't mind being tethered. What, you don't want to walk down the street, you know, with your VR headset on? Well, I can do that. I just have to untether it. I just pretend okay. I'm work, playing still and, you know, people... People will think I'm that crazy rich guy down the street. Yeah. So, so, you know, fast forward to like a week ago, why am I buying this, this Oculus Quest 2? Well, it actually had everything to do with a a friend of mine who shared a picture of um, essentially just a static screenshot, which you think like, how does that sell VR? But he shares this screenshot of something that he's watching um, from Nat Geo or Discovery or something like that. And it's him sitting on a beach in Hawaii. And at that moment, I'd sort of reached this sort of, you know, point in time, which I've I've hit many times over the course of the past year, um, where I'm like, I kind of want an escape. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to bite the bullet. I've got some gift cards here, um, some Best Buy gift cards. Like, when am I, when am I going to put them to use? I'm not really anything else. So, oh, what the heck? Bladed birthday gift. Here you go, Chris. So I got the Oculus Quest um, and it arrives and I go and I, I put it on. I start setting up and holy smokes did what I think. Like I here I was expecting Star Fox. <laughs> like a kid, you not. I was expecting Star Fox and I put this on and like the, the default sort of space that you're in is like, I say like the Grand Canyon or somewhere like in in sort of, I don't know, like Arizona, Nevada, like, you know, it's desert sort of locale and, and like, you're looking around and everywhere around you is an environment that looks almost real. And then, um, as part of the setup process, it also wants you to, to establish what they call this guardian system. So the Oculus is you're essentially painting a space, which is surreal. Like the handles you have in your hands, the, the device knows, sort of proximity, whether it's because of beacon technology or it actually has cameras on the exterior. So like it has a pass through. So I'm actually seeing a recording of what I'm seeing out in front of me. And I'm, I'm again, I'm just like amazed, like, holy smokes, this technology is crazy. And what's the first thing that I go and do, I go and find one of those discovery channel nature shows. And I spent an hour sitting in a rice paddy in Vietnam where um, a farmer was farming. He was explaining uh, to me what was going on. I did not understand, though, because I guess I must have not turned on closed captioning or maybe there wasn't any, but I didn't care. While he's sitting, and I say this, sitting in front of me, you know, farming, I'm looking around and, like, it's full 360. Baby Force is sitting there, you know, WTFing, like, what's daddy doing? 
And I think I want to say it was like five or 10 minutes later, I'd broken a glass because I'm so enveloped in this experience. I completely forget that there is a coffee cup on the armrest next to me. And I swung my arm and down she goes. So that's the thing, right? And especially in this point of time where so many people have been inside for so long and not having those experiences, there is no travel, there is no going to Vietnam and sitting in a rice field. So the whole idea of just sitting somewhere and being away and having like, that's a really addictive thing I could see. Like I can mm-hmm. see myself just wanting to sit there all the time. I go to the beach once a day, even though there's a beach down the street, yeah. but this would be a beach with no people on it. And I can just go sit at the beach and relax. And, and, you know, I've, yeah. I've, I've had those experiences in life. I remember like being in Belgium at one point and I was in a pub in Belgium and this old Belgian man was turning and talking to me constantly. And I didn't understand what a word he was saying because he was speaking in Flemish, but, uh, but, you know, I also couldn't just adjust the setting on my headsets and <laughs> and make him speak English so at that point. Close captioning so, shows up in front of your eyes. Yeah, so, so I, I didn't need to, but I've, I've had that experience of someone talking to me that I have no idea what they're saying. And that's cool anyways. You're just, you're there, you're enjoying the experience. So, yeah, so yeah that's sort of the thing where I'm like, you know, I'm going to wait. I'm, I'm bought into the PlayStation system, obviously. And I, I want to see what they, mm-hmm. come, what they come up with. But that certainly does feel very, um, it's like, yeah, I could use that right about now. Well, and I was yesterday when I was sort of playing around with it in the afternoon, I found this um, uh, tropical sort of experience. And I was thinking in my mind, like, it's kind of immersive. Like, I can hear the ocean. I can see it. I can look around. There's sort of, um, it wasn't like you're alone. There was people walking by. And I don't know if it was on a loop and well-designed so that, you know, if I watch these people, would I see them bounce back and forth? But I started wondering, like, you know, should I turn on the the diffuser and pop some essential oils in there to get like that, you know, that sort of fragrant tropical aroma? Like I'm, I, I, I can't, I, uh, my tropical experience is going to, to Maui or to Hawaii, but Maui specifically. And I, I can't explain what the smell is like there. Um, but I remember going for hot pot with friends and having some, some tea um, and the way I described the taste of the tea was it tastes like what Maui smells like, which obviously is a short circuit, but considering your sense of smell and taste are connected, whatever that scent is, Jasmine, maybe, you know, that's totally going to be an add on at some point. It'll be the whole flower infuser thing that, cause it's, it's no obviously doubt. a market. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I was thinking like there has to be some form of of technology that exists. I, I mean, little not related, but related is how like the Hue branded lighting system uh, can be set up now that if you connect it to your your you know broadcasting device, whether it be your 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 digital video recorder, your console, or what have you, uh, your your Blu-ray player. It reads the content and actually adjusts the lighting based on what's on your screen. So you can have like your lighting effects to try to make it more immersive. So if lighting is already to that extent, yeah, you know, there, I, I, I would imagine people will start selling like diffusers where it's kind of like a, a printer. Here's the three oils and we're going to do a mixture of them to simulate, you know, different scents or whatever. But, um, I, 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 I was just, again, I'm blown away. Like I was watching this, like a making of a music video. And at one point 
um, that there's dancing and this person sort of stumbles towards me and I put my arms out. Like genuinely my, my brain was convinced I needed to catch this person. And the worst part about it is when they fell and I went and wrapped my arms, there was nothing there to like, cause I've now invested sort of my own sort of momentum to like, you know, use physics to cushion the fall and catch them. And they're not there to catch. I may have gone down. So you, you run me my three-year-old sister at that point. Cause I, I remember like, again, back to the eighties, the first like 3d movies, expo 86, that sort of deal. And I remember there was mm-hmm. one where ducks were coming down a conveyor belt towards you with, with this 3d movie yeah. with your glasses on. And I remember my sister being, Oh, three, four, five at the time. Maybe, I don't know. But as the ducks came down, she would try to grab them off the conveyor belt. And, you know, I could see my daughter doing <laughs> that today if she had it. So yeah, same kind of experience, but you're much older than the three-year-old. That just got me thinking when I was talking about sort of the sense and sort of the immersive experience, did you ever do a flyover uh, experience like yeah. flyover Canada? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know that you think about it, it's, it's a fully immersive experience there. It's not fully, well, it's, I think it's 3d. I think you were wearing glasses. Um, there's sound. They actually have spray. So they'll spray water. Um, and then they use, I, I would imagine it's chemical. Um, sense but like i remember doing the flyover canada experience and as we're sort of flying through the the maritimes you get sort of the sea sort of salt smell and lobster and in your face no. <laughs> well i didn't it did not yeah did not get the lobster in the face but like <laughs> when you're you're going through niagara suddenly like you're you get the mist and uh the prairies was this like really earthy scent um and it felt hot like it was that's what I need in my house with my Oculus Quest. Smell a vision. Yeah, smell a vision. Um, but it, it, again, I've only just scratched the surface. Like I am again blown, blown away. I joked about uh, again with the friend who had sort of shared this picture. How um, I'm like, the Oculus has arrived. I'm going to go and log into the Oasis now because I mean that's functionally where society may go. Like we sort of touched on it, like with the way the pandemic is going and us wanting sort of the ability to escape. It's possible that the more accessible these escapes become, the more likely people will look to escape. And then the length of such escape might no longer be tied to the length that your battery can power your device. That's actually, that's actually, yeah, it's a, it's a very cool idea. And I mean, just, the concepts of, you know, my my VR avatar meeting up with your VR avatar in a VR pub and drinking beer in a VR pub together and shooting the shit like mm-hmm. we used to do. I can totally see that as being that's a, a good socializing thing once it gets more. I mean, I don't really think at this point there isn't much like so it's not, not many. There's no MMO to it or no. Um, well, there are like VR like so there's a VR chat. Um, there's like different sort of um, multi person experiences um it's technology wise it's not to the level that i think we would would see in the movies that we're like yeah you know if anyone's read ready player one or ready player two like star trek of the past yeah but it's it's getting to that point where we could technically sit down in a virtual bar like sims is actually a good example the 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 sims experience could potentially be put into play within the vr world but 
Um, I'm not interested in that. I just like to get away and then play games like Beat Saber. So yeah, I was going to bring that up because since the new year, a friend of my, a friend and I have been doing a activity challenge where mm-hmm. we both are of the Apple ecosystem. We both have Apple watches, so you can challenge each other and sort of push each other to get your exercise in for the week, for the month, for the day, whatever. But he mentioned that he has another friend that he's doing it with, and that friend has no problem tripling his rings every day because he's addicted <laughs> to Beat Saber. Oh my goodness! So yeah, go. So okay. Back in time, uh, Nintendo Wii, like Wii Fit in that type of experience where you had the controllers in your hands and essentially it was the arm movements. And then fast forward to how both of us have our, our, our is it Ring Fit? Ring Fit, Switch, yes. Right, where same sort of concept, it's, it's sort of your hand movements with the controller. So Beat Saber is working along those lines. But what's cool about Beat Saber is it introduces the sort of the music portion of it. And the context is pretty simple. You're trying to go and essentially slash boxes to the beat, right? So saber, lightsaber and boxes. Now I, you know, I remember playing like rock band or guitar hero, um, Rocksmith, or no, it was Rocksmith, I think was the one with the, the actual guitar that shipped. Um, like I, I, played all of these games and I love like, you know, guitar hero strumming the bass where all I had to do was just move the thumb and push different buttons. Um, I remember playing like rock band with friends who were pretty much were like full on drummers, never could do, you know, drumming on expert, but some of the guitar stuff I could. Um, but I just enjoyed the music. It was the social experience with friends, but then the music and with beat saber, that's what I was looking for. I'm like, Oh, okay. I'll, I'll go download it. So then I go look into it. Very few of the sort of tracks that come with it are ones that people might know. Um, The only one that I can say I recognize was um, Crab Rave. Um, You don't know Crab Rave? I don't know Crab Rave. Oh, man. You got to – it's like go to YouTube and – Search for crab rave. Essentially, it's crabs at a rave. It is, and it's got some crazy, you know, rave dance beat to it. But now, now is it awesome or is it Baby Shark? Oh, it's, it's okay. I want to say it's awesome. Like it's not Baby Shark. Like uh, Baby Force, she thinks it's funny and it's great. Uh, it's just dancing crabs. Okay, right. But it's it's not it's it's not Baby Shark. Okay. Yeah. Anyhow, um, so like that track, I, I enjoy. It's got uh, they have licensing for for other songs, but again, it's the you got to pay to play. So there's Green Day. They have um, uh, the current one that's hot is uh, is uh, BTS. Um, what else is there? Uh, Imagine Dragons has a pack. Um, there's sort of these different packs or you can get individual songs for like a couple of bucks, which is I think very similar to like the old rock band route. Like you are essentially downloading songs. Um, but I decided, okay, I'm going to go and fire up the, the campaign. Like how the heck there's a campaign, you know, blows my mind. Really what it is, it's essentially like a tutorial that sort of works you up to the different ways that they measure success. So in one, it's just a matter of getting to a certain number of points and you score points each time you slash a a box the right way. Um, 
And then as you do more, you get combos and multipliers, you know, it's pretty straightforward. As it goes. There's, there's others where you can't, you only have so many misses. So a miss is where you don't slash at all, or then so many mistakes. Mistake is where you either slash the wrong way or the wrong color. So your left saber and your right saber are two different colors. And so you have to slash the appropriate box. There's some that you can't move your, your arms uh, or you have to move your arms a certain amount. So like this one that I struggled with today, you had to move at least 650 meters. And at first I'm like, it can't be accurate. But then I was thinking like, if you take your hand above your head and drop it to your side, that's a meter. Yep. About that. Right. And if you think about it, it's not saying you have to move each arm 650 meters. It's cumulatively. So if you're doing like, um, best way I can sort of describe it for those in audio, it's like the old WWF wrestlers, the bushwhackers, where they came in with this like weird march with their hands going up and down. I suddenly so, remember. Okay. So with Beat Saber, some, some of the actual experiences where you're moving your arms like that, it was hard. Because I had to get six, like essentially seven for meters. I, I'm able to go and hit all the boxes, but I'm conservative in my movements. I'm like, you know, flicking the wrist and that. So finally, once I embraced the whole thing of swing your arms like you just don't care, I beat it. I can't feel my arms right now, John. Yeah, I've been there. I've experienced that. So I, I totally feel you. It, it didn't, it didn't connect when I was thinking about VR that I would actually get a workout. And today, like I, so <clears throat> I bought some accessories and one of the things that, uh, um, the site had recommended is like, it might not, you might not think it, but go and get yourself a Silicon sort of, uh, cushion. So it just sort of goes over top of the foam ones. I'm like, wow, that makes no sense. Like, trust us. They're easier to maintain, easier to clean. And if you're going to go and do anything that's active, you know, trust us. I'm like, okay, whatever. It's like it, the one I, I got a, like a, a bundle. It was like a case, the silicon thing, what have you. I'm so glad I got this. I was sweating. <laughs> <laughs> like today I had actually had to stop, not because the battery was low, because I had sweat dripping into my eyes, which really made <laughs> the VR experience difficult. It's raining. Um, yeah, pretty much. Uh, but like, there's so many things like I, I, I have to get accustomed to, like the guardian system where you sort of paint the floor and you've defined your space. And essentially I'm in this virtual cage. Like it knows where I'm set up. Uh, it doesn't take into consideration that I have a cat. And so the cat yesterday sets up shop on my feet. Okay. Not a big deal. As long as she's there and I can feel her. I, as long as I remember there's a cat on my feet. Cause that's the other thing. The moment I lose that context of I'm, in real life, the trouble. What I did not factor in is that me swinging my arms around to Beat Saber is like to the cat, let's play. And suddenly um, she went and attacked me. So that get, that round was over. Um, but no, like for for that sort of, you know, friend of the friend who's get gets the rings, if they're playing Beat Saber, I can totally see it. And Beat Saber is just one of many sort of fitness-focused titles. And you wouldn't even think it's fitness. It totally is. Like there's um there's a boxing one. There's another like a I think it's called Fit VR or something like that. Um, where it in essentially what it does is like it requires you to move. Like even Beat Saber, walls fly at you, so you have to squat. 
or like sort of like a lower <clears throat> ceiling where a wall comes and you have to sort of move to the left and then move to the right. And so like all of these movements make it feel like it's dancing. Um, the cool thing about Beat Saber though, is there's a modding community and modders have taken up the design of these maps to another level. Like I was watching this one for Gangnam style and you know, I like the whole, um, dancing on a horse where you're swinging your hand in the air. You are very much about that, yeah. Right? So yeah. there's um, there's a point where you're doing that, and the, you're essentially, the way the boxes are and you're slashing, you have to swing your arm around. And so they've got, like, you're slashing down with one and swinging your arm around the other. Like, it's... So you almost yeah. need a VR room for this, though, because, yeah, I can see just too many things getting broken, and, you know, you, you lost a coffee mug. You probably kill your cat at some points. Baby Force might... Or at least kick it out the window well, or something, you know, you know. Tonight, um, Baby Force comes into the room and I, I can hear my wife, be careful, daddy can't see you. And thankfully, like I paused, like I, I didn't continue because I don't need to be the one who breaks the kid. Um, she goes and sits on the couch, but she sits there and watches daddy like lose control. Like she doesn't have the contact. She can't see what I'm seeing. And here he is. He's like bouncing around, swinging his arms around and like, <laughs> you know, just getting into the music. Dad, he just went crazy. Yeah. Um, but oh my goodness, John, like I am just blown away. And if technology is what it is right now for, for this, I can't imagine what our kids are going to be able to experience. Yeah, I know. I mean, you look at the arc of it in our lifetimes, as we've sort of touched on a little bit too- here and uh, yeah in five years and ten years all of these things it's going to be pretty pretty interesting Mm -hmm. the um my my worry and i think this is this is a realistic one is that as technology evolves is that disconnect we sort of talked about and touched on previously but if you've read um like the books that ready player one ready player two which are front of mind for me um there are other you know, books and, and obviously um, movies and the like that sort of talk about similar sort of dystopian futures where technology has severed the personal connection. I, I do worry that that type of experience becomes more appetizing in the real world. And I'm a firm believer that you need to you know, grow up in the real world. I'm not against gaming. I love gaming. I hope that, you know, Baby Force becomes a, a gamer but as much as I want her to be a gamer, I also want her to go for a walk in the you know Pacific Spirit Park or in the forest or, you know, go, let's go dig a hole in the dirt. It's the whole Wally thing with uh, ob- ob- sort of you know two big humans floating around mm-hmm. in their easy chairs, li- living in virtual reality worlds and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a very good analogy. Um, all things considered. Although if they're all exercising, I mean, you're not going to get to that size if you got that Beat Saber going all the time. So yeah, I think you're, you're all right. Yeah, just you know, lots and lots and lots of Beat Saber. Uh, but uh, I'm curious if any of our listeners uh, are, are experiencing the VR world. Like, is it to Oculus that you went Rift? Uh, have you been in it a long time? Are you holding out for the, the PlayStation 5 VR experience? Has Xbox ever done VR? I don't think they did. I don't know though. Or maybe Connect. Connect was VR, wasn't it? Not really. I mean, no. it was like you had the camera and you could interact. Like I remember playing like was it Fruit Ninja or whatever, where you're slashing fruit that fly on the screen. Yeah, but, but that died really quickly. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't like the exercise part. 
I don't, and yet, you know, Beat Saber, all good. But yeah, if you, uh, if you're into it, let us know. You can find us on Twitter at nerdy dadcast or shoot us an email feedback at nerdy dadcast.com. Two different ways to, to get in touch with us, but, uh, yeah. Tell us all about those experiences. Absolutely. But here we are, you know, looking to wrap up a pretty lengthy conversation. I wasn't entirely sure how long we'd be able to talk about to sort of VR and, and sort of the lead up to it. But, uh, you know, the two of us, we can wax on in infinitely long as need be. Sometimes we never shut up. Yeah. The uh, PlayStation 5 still treating you well? It is. That's my uh, my escape right now from the COVIDs and everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I go and swing through the streets of New York. Mm. Yeah, I, I really should just, you know, check out Miles Morales. I, I mean, I have far too many toys. Let's be real. I it's mean, true. That's why I didn't know you needed another one. But hey, can you have too many? I, I think so. I think that's a problem. I think you might want to talk to somebody. That's just, there's truth to that, especially moment. knowing how much size you have inside your your residence. Well, so I mean, that's a thing. Yeah, and I in and I should know like the only time where I've actually really used the the Oculus when and others were here was was this past evening. Um, but generally, I try to outside of the cat, which I can't control. I try to ensure that I have sort of some free reign, free space, and I've painted myself into a nice little virtual cage. You're also likely to make people not like us because I think there are still people out there. I haven't been watching lately, but I think there are still people out there really searching for that PS five and, you know, wanting to play it so badly. And you're like, yeah, I got one. It's sitting over there. I haven't turned it on yet, but I've had it for like hey, three months. It's awesome. At least I didn't, you know, take both of them that I had, you know, that's true. One for each hand. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, one for each hand to, to, rest them on as I'm playing beat saber weightlifting while you're beat. Yeah. <laughs> They're big enough. You can, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I mentioned last episode, but the game that I've actually started playing not on the PlayStation, but on my computer is Valheim. I don't know if you've heard of it or seen a, it. A little bit. I wish you get into that as well, I guess, but yeah, we're at the end here. Yeah. It's a definitely a game for a, another episode, but, uh, essentially the premise is you're a Viking. You live in a world where you have to go and survive and the trees are the real end game boss. Physics sucks sometimes. I might've picked it up. No. Uh, but any uh, final words of wisdom for all of our listeners there, John? I just want everybody to look forward to when the nerdy granddad cast comes and we will be presenting it entirely in VR smell vision that's right. In uh, in a synchronous format, you'll have to actually tune in when we go live in the giant uh, virtual podcast Smellovision Studios. And you'll inhale virtual old men. Ew. I just that that was took a, a turn. Yeah, that was a bad note to end on. Sorry, guys. Yeah, well, thanks, John. <laughs> as we said earlier, if you're looking to find us, nerdydiecast.com or on Twitter, twitter.com slash nerdydiecast. There's a Facebook account as well at nerdydiecast. And if you want to shoot us an email, feedback at nerdydadcast.com. So on behalf of John, myself, Chris, uh, I'll sign off this episode as we usually do by saying, please stay nerdy, my friends. Mm-hmm.